Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. I'm going to talk to you today about ministering spirits, the angels, and it's a huge subject. I've been studying it since 1980. I have a book on it. I got my thesis, my doctoral thesis on that book. And, you know, because you had to write a book to do that. And I had that one already written. So they took it and said, that'll do. And I had, when I finally got back the manuscript from the tapes that I sent the lady, there was 517 pages. And the Lord started laughing at me. He said, Michael, I know you know a lot about it. But he said, you're never going to have time to preach everything you knew on this lifetime. Maybe you could preach in heaven some. I said, I'd be glad to do it if I could help you. (laughs) You're not listening, are you? (laughs) Okay. So what he said, though, he said, seriously, he did. He started laughing. And he said, I want you to write it under about 100 pages and write it so a third grader could understand it. So if you ever read something by me and it's complicated, you got a mental problem. Even when I'm preaching, I don't use $5 words. I could, I'm smart enough to do that, but I don't. I try to make things simple for people. People people got enough confusion up there without me (laughs) helping cloud the skies up with your mind stuff. Are you listening to me? Okay. Let's let's go to start here just a minute. Uh, I want to just tag a verse here so you know that it's scriptural. In 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12... Pastor Keith, uh, you know, said something about the prophet's ministry, and that's what I am. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. And uh, I don't know. I've got a lot of visions that I've had uh, over the years. I'm 72 now. Uh, So, you know, and I didn't ask for any of them. And if you're a smart person, you don't ask God to see anything. That seeing things is not faith. Believing for things when you can't see it is faith. I'm going to say that again. Believing God, what he said here in his word, without seeing it, that's the only way you can have faith. If you see it, you don't need faith. I don't need faith for this water. Here it is. <laughs> if there wasn't a bottle of water, I'd have to believe for it. You see the difference? You've got to get that straight in your head. And what I'm going to teach you today won't do a bit of good for you unless you mix your faith, not my faith, I already mixed my faith, with this subject by studying it and preaching it and believing it and Asking God to straighten out my thinking where it was crooked and wasn't fully, you know, like it is today. And it'll take you some time. Nobody, let me say this to you. I'm going to say some powerful things if you're listening. Nobody's an overnight wonder, including Jesus. Yeah, Yeah, the Bible says he grew in grace. That's the knowledge of the word and the moving of the spirit. But he didn't have that automatically just because he hadn't sinned. He had to grow into that. He had to, had to study. You know, and as his habit was, he was the reader of the scriptures at the synagogue. <laughs> He's even in the ministry of helps. Besides the prophet, evangelist, pastor, apostle, and all that. But let me just show you one thing here, because I'm going to mention one of the visions in a minute. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 1. It is not uh, expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. In this second part of this, for I will come to visions... And revelations of the Lord. Now Paul was referring here to himself that he had visions and revelations that came from the Lord. There's something you got to realize. 
It's only as God ordains that to happen. They have a vision. Are you listening to me? I, I, don't, I wasn't very smart when I first got saved. Not real smart now, but I never asked for things that wasn't in the Bible to ask for. My little uh, granddaughter, she was in preschool a couple years ago, and some people call me the angel man. No, my name's Michael, and I have a doctorate, but I'm not the angel man. I know a lot about them more than the average person, probably more than most pastors because they don't teach it. And uh, that's why I wrote my book, so I could get the revelation out to you, or whoever wants to learn. You're not going to learn by yourself, I know that. <laughs> I didn't. I read books about it, and some of it I had to shred if it wasn't the Word of God, in my opinion, and others that I kept and studied over. But what I wanted to say, my granddaughter went to this Lutheran school in preschool, and it was show-and-tell day. She raised her hand and said, My papa is called the angel man. He sees angels. And I said, You told your teacher that in front of the whole class? <laughs> She says, I sure did, Papa. And then I said to her, I knew what the answer was before I asked her. What did your teacher say? Nothing. See, people don't know anything about that realm. They, or if she did, she would have said something intelligent. <laughs> but most people are not taught scripturally, so they're not intelligent when it comes to this subject. You know, I'm just talking to you. I don't listen to what my grandpa told me or some aunt or some other preacher that don't believe nothing that he thinks he saw. I just stick with the Word. You do, you'd be smart to stick with it because the Word is what will keep you in hard times. Preaching real good. But I did want you to see that he said, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, what's the difference? I want to help you understand something. So I had had some visions. I'm going to share one and two in just a minute. But you, when you have a revelation of something, you could have a teaching. You could even begin to get up and teach something that you have studied out. But that doesn't mean you yet have a revelation of it. See, I have a revelation about angels, have a revelation about demons, have revelations about spiritual fathers, have a revelation about the gifts of the Spirit. And I really, my primary area of teaching, although I don't teach it all the time, but pretty near it, that other world that you can't see. Because I read my Bible and I know what the Bible teaches about it, number one. Number two, I've had experiences in that other world where other beings have spoken to me. And I, and I went to the Bible to find out if they knew what they were talking about. Okay, just trying to help you. So if somebody winds up at the bottom of your bed with a tinkerbell and a, and a glory robe and tells you something, you better be sure it's in the Bible. Because the devil can do that. Just to help you understand that. All right. So let's go, let's go over here right now to, to Psalm 91. I want to get started over there, and I want to read some things to you as I go that I think is going to help us a lot. Um, just get Psalm 91, and I'm, I just park when you get there, and I'll catch up with you in a second. I wanted to read part of a prophecy from Kenneth E. Hagin. He's in heaven now. My spiritual father was a son to him, so I would have been a grandson. I, I, I knew of him. I read his books, but... That came later in my life, Brother Hagin, Kenneth E. Hagin. He was a prophet. But he, he was really sharp in the word of prophecy, and he has one of the visions he's had I have in my hand. I'm going to read a portion of it. Where angels came to him and began to talk to him. And he said this, there will be an army that's arising. This was in 1988 when he gave this prophecy. He said there will be an army that's beginning 
and it's beginning in these last days, and they will walk in the Spirit, men and women, equipped with the power of the Holy Ghost. They'll learn to walk in the Spirit. Now listen carefully. They'll learn to join forces with the forces of heaven, and the angels will come and minister unto them, and the angels will come and minister with them. So as I'm talking to you today, I'm going to share some visions, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit, not every angel that works with me, but some of them and what they do specifically. And I didn't learn this in a day, a week, or a year, or a decade. I've been studying on angels since 1980. Nobody told me to do it but the Holy Ghost. I, in fact, I have a shredder that I like real well, and I've read 100 books on angels, and 97 of them went in the shredder. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't care what kind of goofball thinking somebody's got that writes it down. That don't make it right. right. Amen. Right. Amen. So it just goes, <laughs> I love it. It's a big help to me. You do right to have a shredder up here that shreds stuff that's. But I wanted to show you this one statement he makes here. The angels will come and minister unto them. I'm going to talk to you about how some of the angels that work with me how they minister to people through me and how they minister with me to other people. And they'll not only minister uh, with us, but they'll minister to us. So that's really, that's, that's quite a word there, I think. <laughs> Pretty powerful, I think. Now, let's look at Psalm 91 here, beginning in verse 1. And uh, you really should study Psalm 91. It is, it's a protection, a protection word. And it's, you have to qualify for it. See, just remember this. Whatever you don't qualify for, you can't have. It, let me say to you this way. If you don't know it's there, it won't work for you. And that's why we teach on things like this. Because, because teaching helps people get the right mindset about it. For instance, angels aren't going to come change the oil for you in your trucks, guys. And they're not going to load the dishwashers, ladies. But they will save your life when they need to, if that's needed. And they can do a lot of things that you can't do. But you're the one in authority, not them. So when people say, well, I don't believe in all that, you're going to do without them. And probably a large portion in heaven today, I guarantee it, I haven't been there yet, but I'm, I think I'm pretty smart when it comes to what I'm teaching here because I've studied it for all these many years. There's a lot of people there that should have not went there, but they didn't pay any attention to what I'm teaching right now. And the Bible says if you don't pay attention to this, if you neglect this, then there's a consequence to that. They didn't have to drown. They didn't have to get in that car wreck. They didn't have to get shot. They didn't have to get stabbed. They didn't have to get in a burning house. Okay, just want to, I want to help you see that. So you have to make a decision. I want to say it to you this way. I want you to be able to take advantage of all that's available to you. Now, if you're just a normal person and you have a brain, you would say yes right there. And say amen. amen. <laughs> Why would you not take advantage that something's been given? You know, Ephesians says, we have obtained an inheritance. You know, and I, I, sometimes I question people. I just quit doing that because, you know, they get mad at me. They, well, I believe in angels. You do? Yeah, well, tell me something they helped you do. Well, I, I can't exactly do that. Then you don't believe in them. Amen. Have you ever seen any angelic intervention in your life? 
Well, I don't know. Well, then you, then you just told me you believe in angels, but you've got no other thing to say other than because it's in the Bible. But that won't make them work just because you say you believe in them. You have, if to believe in them is to act like they're yeah, real yeah. and talk to them with yeah, your words, that's right, that's right. your words are releasing yeah, them right. or restraining them. We're not talking about God being in control of that. that you're in control of that. That's right. That's right. He's already charged them. Yeah. When God says something, he lets it stay said. When you and I say something, sometimes we regret it. How many would admit to that? Four of you. The rest of you, I don't know about. <laughs> All right, let's, let's look at this a minute. Verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, notice there, he didn't say if you went to church. Now, a church would be included because that would help you be taught how to abide under the shadow of, his, of the Lord. But notice, he that dwelleth, that, that you live there. You live in a relationship with Jesus where you're close to him. And if he says something or just looks at you a certain way, you know what you need to do. You know, my mom had one of those looks when I misbehaved in church as a kid. She'd pinch the tar out of my leg if I didn't simmer down. And she'd look at me, I'd just, I, I just quit it right All right. You're going to have to learn to dwell in the secret place. Only people that dwell in the secret place is this Psalm 4. Now, that doesn't mean that you're perfect. But you dwell in that place, and if you get out of line, you start wandering over here in territory that doesn't, doesn't belong to you. You better hurry up and repent and run back. Get back in fellowship with God as soon as possible. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. Notice this. I will say. I will say. you got to take it personal. That's why I'm saying it to you this way. You have to say something. Because I say something, it comes past from me, and I might be able to agree with you on some things if you're saying biblical things, if you're saying a biblical thing. But I can't do it all for you. Neither can any person do it all for you. You have to do stuff for yourself with God's help. And this is getting God involved. When I say, Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, you're my God, you're my healer, and in you will I trust. You're my financier. You give me a sound mind. You give me a healed body. Yeah. You're saying something about him. When you say, I can't ever get a job, then the angels are removed from that. They're not going to. But the devil and his crowd will oblige you. And you may be the best qualified for the job, but because of your mouth, nobody's going to hire you. Because the devil will see to it that the people that are hiring you don't like you for some reason. And sometimes even the guys hiring you don't like you, but God does and He puts favor on you to the guy that don't even like you and he hires you. That'll work. You've got to, listen, you've got to begin to say something. If you're abiding in him and you're walking with him and your saying gets stronger, broader, wider, deeper, strong as you go on to know the Lord even better. And if you're smart, you, you would get like Psalm 141 says, put a guard over my mouth. That's right, that's right. Psalm 141 verse 3, I'm not going to turn there, but you can look it up later. 
put a guard over my mouth and a guard over my tongue that I won't speak contrary to the covenant. When I say the covenant, I'm talking about the Bible and especially the New Testament. You're not going to get strong reading Leviticus. I can tell you, you, you could read Leviticus, that's fine. It's the Bible, but it's not the best part. And it's not even your part. You're not Old Testament people. That covenant's done and gone. We're in this covenant, the eternal covenant, the best covenant that God's ever had is with us. So he says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. That could be anything from sickness, disease, disasters, plane accidents, car accidents, all kinds. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wing you'll trust. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror of night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. And now what happened with 9-11? Some big arrows flew that day, called an airplane, and tore those buildings down and killed a lot of people, innocent people. You know, every one of those people, if they were a believer, now I'm not talking about going to church. I mean, that would be a smart thing if you're a believer to go, not to a church, but to a word and spirit church. Because you can go to church and never know anything either. I, I'd just rather have an old heathen come to my church that's just like I was a drug addict and I was a bank, blank piece of paper you could fill in because I didn't know anything about God. And I grew up in church. But I didn't know anything about God. Okay. So let's go on here. It says 10,000, verse 7, 1,000 will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but will not come near you. Only with your eyes you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because the Lord, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. I wanted to read you this. Uh, these, these scriptures, this is from a book I have. I didn't write it. It's a big, thick book. I got all my sons a couple months ago. Uh, let's see here. No, I'm reading Psalm 91, 10 through 16. No harm will befall you. No disease shall touch your tents. Or you could say your house. Unless you're living under the bridge, then that may be real accurate. I don't know. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying and he says, I will let him live to a ripe old age and show him my salvation. Because he said, he's devoted to me and I will deliver him. This is a, I don't even know what this stand, JPS-OT, it's Old Testament, somebody's translation. Here's another one. It uh, says, uh, no evil shall befall thee, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. And then at the end of this, verse 16 says, with long life I will satisfy him or her, and show him my saving health. So we can see now how health gets involved in the angels too in this passage that I'm reading. I'm jumping around a little bit to give you some different renderings of these verses. Uh, I like this uh, MSG. That's the Message Bible. Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick young lions and serpents from the path. If you hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. Now that's, that's a qualifier there. <laughs> you know, I've been in the ministry a long time, so just don't try to shuck and drive, die, you know, shuck me. You know what I mean? Play me. I have 45 years of full-time ministry with my wife uh, last month in August. 
well, a month and a half now. But I've had people come and get them, bail them out of trouble, and they're right back in it in six months or less. And I'd bail them out again and help them. But, then, you know, but they just keep living that lifestyle. It catches up with people. Yes, sir. You have to make a decision. And if you're going to make a decision to get out of it, you go to your pastor, somebody who knows God better than you, and let them hell you, help you and, and maybe cast the devil out of you if you've got a demonic problem. I'd be glad to help you today if that's some of you. I think there are some mental people here. I mean, we all have a mind. I don't mean that. But there are some people that are struggling mentally that are here in this service today because the Lord told me. And nobody's going to drag you up here, and I'm not going to coerce you to come. I'm going to give an invitation when it comes that time. I have it written down here somewhere on a piece of paper. And uh, for mental problems, we have a lot of success helping people get out of stuff like that. That is, if you commit to do like what I'm teaching you here, you're going to have to, what, dwell in the secret place of the most high. That's right, that's right. <laughs> you can't run to a drug party, an alcohol party, or people that are perverts and last very long like that. It's going to mess you up. Or just watch TV, or if you've got a phone, you can get any porn you want. Well, I'm preaching real good right now. Nobody feels like saying nothing. Oh, my God, he's got me. No, I haven't got you. If, if the devil's got you, you need to repent. Because when something's got you, it'll drive you, push you, coerce you, kick you towards it. All right. Because I used to be a drug addict. I know what I'm talking about. I wouldn't live like a drug addict for three years. Not just the drugs, just everything I wanted. I did, did it twice, did it four times, did it ten times. Because I didn't care what you thought or anybody else thought. You know, and I still don't care too much about what people think of me as long as I'm right with God. Yeah, that's right. Not being smart, Alec, you know. I do appreciate people, but sometimes their opinion is I, I don't value it a lot. All right, thank you so much for your enthusiasm. This here says, if you hold on to me for dear life, I'll get you out of any trouble. If you'll give the best care, if you only get to know and trust me. And I highlighted that, get to know him and trust him. You can't trust him if you don't know him. You know, some of you don't know me yet. I mean, this, this family knows me. They've been with me 30 years. You're not going to figure me out in three days or three years. I'm not going to figure you out either. And some people I just never figure out. They just are so, you know, whatever. I try to help them if I can, but sometimes you can't. Now here's something else, uh, Psalm 91, 10 through 16. Nothing bad will happen to you. No disaster will come to your home. He has put his angels in charge of you and watch over you wherever you go. So the angels have a direct part in this in keeping you safe and getting you delivered from things. I was in Costa Rica. I don't know how many years ago that's been now. It may be 15 years ago. I don't remember. I was teaching on angels, and I have this one angel that comes when I'm ministering normally to people with lungs problems or breathing problems. And I had two people come in that meeting. I was preaching in the morning that particular day and at night. And this elderly lady came. She was almost 80 years old. She had severe lung problems. And I, so I laid hands on her, and this angel stepped in between us. And he, he has this finger that lights up like a, like a laser. It's like a white light comes out of it. Now listen, you can't figure any of this out with your brain. I can't figure it out. You certainly can't either. I'm just telling you what I see, and I, I got fruit for it. So, I mean, you know, you can't knock me. Yeah. All right. So this angel stuck his finger on this lady's lungs and went back and forth like that, and I saw into her lungs they were miscolored. 
because they had infection or disease or some level of something. I don't know if it's cancer. Don't know the disease, but it darkened her lungs. And when this angel went like this, it's, it's like that laser erases all that. And she fell out and told me she got healed. But then there was a little boy came. He's about 10 years old. He was the grandson of the man that invited me to come to the country, Costa Rica. And I'm not making fun of him, but he was 10 years old. This is the way he breathed through the whole sermon. He got in line. He was the only other person. I said, son, that angel's working on you. <laughs> he went back and forth on both lungs like this, and he raced whatever that was. didn't look healthy. I know that. And it turns a different color, lighter color, like it's living now and it's strong. And he went home, you know, he had, I think the grandpa, he had a bunch of sons and daughters and then grandchildren, he had a whole bunch. And little Jose was standing over in the corner like this. His mom said, what are you doing, Jose? He said, mom, I'm breathing. <laughs> yeah. And what happened is that angel touched him and cleaned it. And I asked his mother, who came to me that night and said, I, I just couldn't hardly believe it. Well, she wasn't in faith, was she? <laughs> but I was in faith, and the boy was in faith. And, and uh, they, she said he was born with a deformity in his chest, and it pushed his lungs together and cramped it so that it sounded like he was fighting for every breath he had. And he, he was just like that kind of, and I'm not making fun, but he was just breathing just like me and you today when, we, when the angel got done with him. Yeah, I think that's pretty wild. <laughs> that's pretty good, isn't it? Praise the Lord. You know, I was a, a, a little boy at one time, and I had some leg problems with my knees. How many saw Forrest Gump? Run, Forrest, run, run, Michael, run. And my mother took me, my dad wasn't there anymore, and my mother took me to Barney's Children's Hospital in Dayton, Ohio. He's, he since went on, Barney, Dr. Barney. And he said, well, Joyce, your, that was my mother's name, said, your son's got rickets, and it's bad. I'm going to put braces on him. So he, I had the braces from the waist down. You know, they got straps. They got a screw in the knee thing where it'll bend. Then it goes down. They got shoes attached on the bottom that holds, you know, they hold it to the metal. Had to wear those for about two and a half, three years. And they told my mother I wasn't getting any better. <laughs> and my mother, I think she was a Baptist lady back then, bless her heart. And, but she didn't really know a lot by her own confession. But she said, I just went home and I said, God, if you'll heal my boy, I'll raise him in the church. And so my mother remarried a man named Jack Jacobs shortly thereafter. I was about five and a half years old then. Uh, five, five to six, and uh, I was still wearing the braces, and they moved Mr. Jacobs, my stepfather, and my mother, they moved to Springfield, Ohio, and one night I was in bed, and I was awakened. I didn't hear anything that I can remember, just all of a sudden I was wide awake. I went over to the window, and it was a big window, kind of like that, not that tall, but wide, and I stood right there, and I saw this being standing in the driveway. He was looking right back at me. He had a staff shot up about two feet over his head, and he was like this. <laughs> he was very old looking in his face, but he glowed. He was like, I would call it translucent, I think's the right word. I could partially see through him. <laughs> he didn't say a word to me. I wish he had it, but he didn't, and I didn't say it. I couldn't talk. You know, you ever watch it in the Bible? I don't know if you've ever done it, probably not, but I've looked him up hundreds of times. 
There's over 300 references to angels in your Bible. And I can tell you as a preacher, that's way over what most preachers, on subjects they preach, they might have 15 scriptures or 30. But 300, come on now. That's a massive amount of scriptures. And I looked them up one at a time, not on a computer. Somebody said, what did you do, get a computer? No, I don't use computers. I use a concordance. I looked them up one at a time and read them over and over and over and stopped and talked to God about this passage and that passage and this one back here. For 40 years, I don't know a little something. But he didn't say nothing, and I found out most of the time when they came on the scene, they said, fear not. Why? Because they're fearful if you see them. I mean, if, if you see an angel in his natural, I call it habitat, you're either going to have to have huggies or faith. That they will scare something out of you. I'm telling you. You remember that angel that came down? You know, the, the, the people that were you know, had Jesus crucified, they went to the mayor of the city or governor and said, they're going to steal him, sure enough, you're going to lose your position. You're going to be fired. So he called over the army. He said, uh, hey, put SWAT on that. Put the Delta Force on it. Put the Rangers on that, some bad motor scooters. He didn't ask for a new recruit. Some men that knew how to kill other men to guard that tomb so nobody could steal that body. But one angel came, rolled the stone away with his finger probably, and it says it took six to eight men to roll the stone over the hole. And he sat on it, and these battle-worn warriors, they fainted for fear. It's in Matthew 28. It's all in your Bible. I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> fainted for fear. Yeah, I used to live with some bikers. Some of them were felons, murderers. All kinds of people. They some bad motor scooters, but nothing compared to the angels that I've seen. <laughs> I mean, one of those angels in the Bible, he slew 185,000 men in one night. He's a bad motor scooter. He's a bad Mama Joe. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you listen to me? Trying to help you to see. That So when I couldn't speak, you may think, that's weird. You're five years old. You didn't talk. I couldn't talk. I'm seeing this being that's in another world. He's about from me to that camera. I couldn't talk. So the only thing I knew to do as a five-year-old boy, go get my mother. So I ran in there. She's sleeping on this side of the bed. I grabbed her arm, shook it, and she looked at me. I just pulled her, and she followed me. I took her right back where I was in front of the window, and she looked. And then she couldn't talk. Neither one of us could talk. How long did that last? I don't know when I talk about it. I feel like I'm back there. I'm 72. That would have been 60-some years ago, 67 years or something. It's just like I'm back there again. I couldn't talk, and she couldn't talk. We knew it was divine. We knew something. I wanted to say are you an angel or are you God? Because my mother, you know, my mother, remember my mother had went home and said, God, you've got to heal my boy. And, she, and she's not Pentecostal lady. No, she didn't, she didn't know anything about that stuff. But she just cried out to God. And it was during the revival of healing in America, you know, 47 to 58. I don't know if you guys know anything about that. Most of you weren't even born then. I was born in 49, so I, when I was five, I was, it was 1954. The move of God was on in healing in America. And if you just leaned towards God during that time, you got healed. 
So what I'm saying to you is my mother prayed. This angel showed up. Now, I don't know if he touched me or not because I, we finally just broke up. My wife, my wife, my mother, she went back to bed and I went back to bed. And within just a couple of weeks, I went back to Dr. Barney, took the braces off, said, your son's healed. I don't know what's happened to him. And I never, I never wore braces again. I still have them at my office at home. They're about that tall because they went from my waist down. And I ran track and played football and did a lot of things. So I believe probably that angel maybe came in. He didn't have to unlock the window. You know, he could run right through it. But uh, he probably touched me because just a little, just a short period of time after my mom prayed that, uh, that happened to me and I was healed supernaturally. She, he said, Joyce, you got a miracle. Are you listening? <laughs> There's a lot they do. <laughs> that we need to know about. So let's go back over here to Hebrews a minute. Hebrews chapter 1, if you'd look at this with me. Hallelujah. You getting anything yet? I'd like to tell you some more stories here in a minute, and I probably will. I got a lot of different things to tell. Oh, I was in Manzanillo, Mexico, and it's on the coast, and it's a, it's a resort for the Mexicans more than the gringos, but we, we were there in my youth group and we were preaching for a Maria Rancun who has a ministry there. I've preached for her several times in my lifetime. And um, I, she gave me the pulpit and I pre preached on angels and I had a word of knowledge about hearts. I got a lot of people healed of heart problems in my ministry. So it came about eight people lined up. I, the cardio, you know, not your spirit man, but your physical pump. And the first one was a man, and I, I laid hands on his head like this. I said, Father, I pray that you'd heal that heart. And when I did, this angel came around my right side, came right around like this, and he stuck his hand in the man's chest about that far. And then it looked like from what I could see, just listen to me, you can learn something. I didn't have to say anything, but I'm just, I did. So I operated in discerning of spirits. I saw into the man's being, and normally you wouldn't do that without an x-ray. You do know that, right? Okay, and, the, and this angel has a hold of his heart, and he goes like he's opening a safe is what it looked like in the natural. He was doing this kind of stuff with his fingers around his heart. And then when I took, now listen to this, when I took my hand off his head, he pulled his arm out. So I learned something in that moment that I'd read about it, and I, then I'd realize sometimes you and I are the instigator of how they operate. If I hadn't took my hand on his head, he probably would not have done that. I've had him, I've had him do things independent of me, but with me in the same meeting or same room, are you listening? But it was just real interesting. And then the next second one was a woman. I laid hands on her. I said, Father, and there he came. He stuck his hand in her chest, and he started working on it. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm talking like maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds max. And I prayed for every one of them. There's eight of them, and every, every one of them was healed. But this lady, she ran to me like this after the service. She said, did you see that angel put his hand in my chest? I said, slow down. <laughs> did what? Did you see that angel put his hand in my chest? I said, then I just playing with her. I said, did you see an angel put his hand in your chest? Yes, I did. I thought you saw it. Yeah, I did. What did he do? Well, he fixed it. I had a lot of uh, issues with my heart, not beating right, not functioning right, problems. And when he took his hand out, everything was normal. He was doing surgery on her while I prayed for her. You've seen a lot of that? I've seen a lot of that. I don't know. I don't have time to tell you everything. 
but I'm just talking to you here. And they work with me. Sometimes I tell people they're here. I think in this, maybe when I, Wednesday night, I think we were here, and I said that to a couple of people. I didn't mean that it, they weren't working with me with the other people. Sometimes I just say that because the prophet needs to speak. Or sometimes I feel like congregation is just going to be totally confused if I say that, so I don't even say it. don't matter to me whether I say it or not unless God tells me to. It does matter to me whether you get healed. <laughs> that's, all, that's what I'm saying. Hallelujah. And I had heard about that in a book I read about angels. I kept that one. Uh, that these people had, there were four or five kids and adults, and one of their brothers got in a bad car accident, and the surgeon came out and said, you're allowed in there for five minutes only. He's going to die in the next hour. You can go in and say your goodbyes, whatever you need to do. He's being polite. So they went in there, and they all gathered around him, and they laid hands on him, but there was an angel standing at the head of the bed. Let's say his head's here. And when his family laid hands on him, the angel laid hands on his head. When they took their hands off, he took his hands off. They went back into the outer room thinking he's going to be gone in just a few minutes. And the doctor came back out and said, well, it looks like he might live on for another hour. Why don't you go pray for him again if you feel led to? And they went back and the same thing happened. And one of the kids was having discerning of spirits and his eyes were open to another world. You know, you can't see him in the natural. But that doesn't mean they're unreal. Let me ask you something. Uh, you're not going to tell me the meteorologist is smarter than God. You know, if the meteorologist tells you it's going to bring in rain at 3 in the morning, you've got to go to work at 6. And if you're smart and they say it's going to be a downpour, you've got an umbrella by the back door or a raincoat or some kind of apparatus to keep you from getting wet. And you did it all in preparation and you, and you go outside at 11 at night when he gets that, it's totally perfectly clear. But you believed his word, so you prepared for that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. We're learning something. So they kept on with that boy. I don't know how many times they went back. I think it was three or four. He finally re returned to normal, was healed, was well, raised up from the dead. That's a pretty big deal, I'd say. But my point was when they laid hands on their brother or their son, whoever those relatives were, then the angel accommodated them and laid hands on them with them. Yeah. Now, you say, well, do I have angels that work with me? You have one, at least, that is assigned to you, and you may have others. I'm talking about angels now. I'm not talking about my personal guardian angel when I'm talking about angels working with me in the healing ministry. <laughs> I just want to say that. I didn't ask for these others. They came gradually over a period of time. And some of them do certain things. Some of them bring parts to me. What I mean is if I see them in a vision, they may have an organ, some kind, listen to me carefully, some kind of organ in their hand. If I don't know what it is, I say, Father, what is that? He says, that's a spleen, or that's a kidney, or that's a, that's a vertebrae. I've had them where I pray for people with bad vertebrae, and that angel would reach in there and pull that bad vertebrae out in the spine. And if I'm in the spirit, I'm seeing right through that, and it's open. There's nothing holding that open, you know. It should have, it should have closed, but it didn't. And he got a new one, and he put it in there. And the guy was healed. Hey, praise God. Now, if you don't need something like that, you don't need to get in the healing line, and I don't know when that happens. It happens periodically. And sometimes, a few times in my life, I said, I don't care what you got, get up here. 
I had one lady in my church today, Noor, Joyce Stetton Vince. She got a brand new heart. She's 33 years old, had severe heart trouble. I didn't know anything about it. She was new to my church maybe a year. Like I said, you don't know people too well after they've been with you until a decade usually. Anyway, be smart not to make somebody somebody until they, you know they're somebody. <laughs> From God. But she got in the prayer line that night, and I said, Joyce, what do you need? She said, I need a new heart. And I just said, let it be. So, and just slapped her in the head and then went on. She fell out. This is her story. I didn't even know she had any heart trouble. 33, two children. Uh, she said, when you said that, I fell on the floor and energy came into my chest. Wow. Is what she said. And said, when I could finally stand up and went back and sat by my husband, he said, there's something coming off of you. What is that? She said, I don't know. It must be the anointing. Pastor Jacob's ministered to me. And it stayed on her for two weeks, that energy in her chest area. So she went back to her regular doctor. He checked her. He said, Joyce, you need to go back to the cardiology people, the heart doctors, because something's changed. And he did an echocardiogram and a lot of names that I can't pronounce, you know, about their heart. And he put, you know, when they have like they have a lighted screen, they put up a, a film, then they put another film up. He brought her in the room and said, this is your heart a month ago. This is your heart today. That's not the same heart. You can see that, can't you, Joyce? She said, yeah. My pastor prayed for me, and God put a new heart in me. He what? He did what? And that's the kind of reaction you get from people that don't understand any of that. I know it's different. And I'm not trying to stand out like a sore thumb, but if I didn't tell you that, who's going to tell you that? And I have a revelation, you know, liars go to hell too. At least you think I'm just putting on. You don't know me very well. I would never jeopardize myself going to hell and try to impress anybody. In fact, I didn't ask for any of this. Not a bit of it. I just was a burnout drug addict, drug dealer, half crazy, lost 70 pounds shooting speed, and I just knew I had needed help and I said, Jesus, come into my life. I need you. <laughs> I'm a mess. I can't even think straight anymore because of the drugs. That was 50-some years ago. <laughs> okay. And I'm just telling you. And so this came, you know, you might think, well, if I'm talking like this, I, it all came one summer. you got to be kidding. <laughs> Sometimes I went for years and years and years, and same thing, praying the same thing, gaining new momentum, gaining new insight, praying different than I used to pray, reading different than I used to read, shredding some more books that was of no value. My books and my bookcase, they're shaking. Because I've told them, if I find any unbelief in you, you're going in the shredder, baby. <laughs> you need to get tough, tough on yourself. <laughs> anyway. All right, let's look here. Hebrews 1, verse 13 and 14. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Hebrews 1.13, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This is what God said to Jesus, but it's given an illustration that he didn't say that to the angels, he said it to Jesus. The first chapter is a, the book of Hebrews is a book on comparisons. First chapter, he compares Jesus with the angels. And of course, Jesus is the winner. <laughs> He's the son of God, you know. He's the Messiah, Amen. the healer, the deliverer. The, but he didn't, he didn't leave the angels out because they were called to play a significant role in our lives. 
And if you're doing without them, shame on you. I didn't have time to bring my books or I would have brought them and made them available to you on angels that I have. It's a pretty reasonable book. It's not priced way out there or anything. But I, when I come back, maybe, I, and I've got some new books coming out Amen. on other subjects. But anyway, the angel book is, uh, you know, it's important to get knowledge in. It's just a basic book. It's not everything I know in there. I could have put four addendums to that. But, and I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm trying to get the word out. That's why God laughed at me. He said, Michael, Michael, Michael. You don't have time to teach a local, local church what you know. Just, just what you know. Much less what he knows. Are you listening? Yeah. 1995. That's a few years back. I spent 15 Wednesday nights in a row teaching on angels and didn't get taught what I knew back then. I know probably triple that since 95. I've had a lot more experience, a lot more study time. That's, uh, what is that? That's 25, 26 years now. See, I'm not a play-with-it type of guy. I don't throw my Bible in the corner until I'm going to preach. Let's see what I can find to preach today. Let's see. No. And you can tell I look at my notes some. They're important to me. I spend a lot of time making these notes. Like 40 years. <laughs> so, anyway, they're important to me because it all came through revelation of the Holy Spirit to me. So he goes back to the angels in verse 14. I want you to pay attention. Are they, referring to the angels mentioned in verse 13, are they not all ministering spirit? Say all. all. So all the angels that God's created are ministering spirit. I want you to see that you're a spirit too. And the primary thing that you are, you're a spirit being. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions, which most people live in that when they should be living out of their spirit. That's why they're roller coaster Christians, freaked out Christians, confused Christians, defeated Christians. When he made you a joint heir with Jesus, listen, what more could he do? If you're a joint heir with Jesus, you're not a sub heir. You're a joint heir. You're seated with him. So he's put us in the highest place of the universe we could have ever got. Because of Jesus, he accepts us as that. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Not making fun. I'm just trying to help us come up higher in our thinking. And so what I wanted to show you that they're all ministering spirits. There's four or five classes of angels, I call it. Not math and English. That's not what I mean. I mean different, different areas where they're created beings. Like there's the cherubs. Those are angels that protect holy places and holy things. And he had those back in the garden, remember, that kept the way to the garden. So... Adam, after he'd once sinned, couldn't get back in and eat of the tree of life and live forever in a lost state, then all of us would be going to hell today. Are you listening? That's why he did. He didn't do it to hurt Adam. Adam had hurt humanity and hurt God. His father said, you can have any tree in this garden you want, you can have double of that, but you can't touch that one tree, that's mine. Now, some want to argue, but I believe it was the tithe tree. Because God says the tithe belongs to God. When you take God's money and you spend it on clothing or schooling or some silly thing, other thing that's real important to you that's nonsense, you are a God's robber. I'm not trying to get your money. If you feel that way, just keep it. But you have to learn that you're going to get in the covenant, then your part of the covenant is to tithe. You do realize the government takes about 30% of your income, whether you like it or not. God's given you a choice to get involved with Him and let Him finance you. 
Again, it don't happen every Thursday, but God does catch us up. Yeah, I've been tithing for almost 50 years. I know what I'm talking about. And my wife was the same. We're very generous. Not trying to toot my own horn. Don't got a horn to toot. But I'm just saying, if you're going to be a real Christian, then you're going to have to come to a tithe somewhere in your life. Or you're going to fall short. And you're going to fall short in what area? Finances. Thank you, Jerry. Ding, ding, ding. The bell goes to Jerry. <laughs> you might get healed, but you may not have money to pay your rent. And really, money is not really money. Money is just a thing you use to help people if you're thinking right. That's what I use my money for. I'm not going to show you, but I'd put my checkbook up against anybody for the last 40 years or more. Yeah, I'm just talking. I'm not bragging. Don't brag to it. It's just the way I've lived. And I tithe on every account that I have authority over. I have four accounts. I've tithed on all of it. And sometimes I just give several extra thousand dollars just to make sure I got it all covered. <laughs> do you really? Yeah, really. Really do that. Really do it. <coughs> I was supposed to be. Now the angels will help you catch up too. They know how to motivate people to help you. <laughs> anyway. Glory to God. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I don't know where I'm at right now. <laughs> Trying to help you. The angels know how to help you find things, knows how to help get you in the right place too, will give you favor with people. And people find they're blessing you and you didn't even, and my new, one of my new books, I should have it out maybe by Christmas, somebody's anointed to help you. And I, I, I don't mean just a banker. I mean, that they're included. The dentist, uh, the, the stores you shop in, the places you shop at. It, just people will come out of their way to bless you. And maybe they, maybe they, don't, they don't even want to bless you, but they're, God's moving on them. Bless this man. <laughs> Here he goes. <laughs> You'll see. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the biggest giver in my church three or four or five years ago, he don't even come to my church. He wrote a check and put it in the church door in between a Sunday morning and Sunday night for $42,600. Came back the next Sunday and gave another $15,000. He don't even attend church except to give money. Come on back. Because I took that money to bless our church and take care of some of our ladies that had come kids and no husband and things like that. All right. I don't know where I'm at again. Now, here we are. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits? So all the different spirits. There's cherubs, there's seraphims, there's, there's uh, archangels, which are elite. They are kind of like... The generals, maybe of the angels, I would call them that. And there's a bunch of them. There's two or three mentioned in the Bible, but there's more than that. But anyway, there are guardian angels, or I call them personal angels. That's what I'm dealing with today, trying to deal with it. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? Now, do you get, I get the feeling from that first several words that the angels desire to minister. If they've been sent forth and created by God, he's the one that created them. And they've been sent forth to minister, it says, for us, 
who are the, who shall be heirs of salvation, or we would say today, after 2,000 years, who are the heirs of salvation. If you're born again, you're an heir of salvation. So you have angels assigned to you that are called of God to minister for you. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling you, you need to put them to work. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. You've got to say the right thing. You say what God says about it. For example, one thing I say every day, Father, I thank you for the angels today. This, I'm going to show you the way I pray. And back to my granddaughter when she said they didn't say anything. I said, what's with your big, and she called me to ask me, she said, Mommy said, you know something about angels, Grandpa? And I said, yeah. Well, she said, you see them sometimes. I said, yeah. She said, I want to see them. That's my granddaughter talking to me about three or four years ago. I said, well, honey, I can't tell you you're going to see them. That would be Jesus to have to tell you that. But I said, and she went on, you know, and she, Mommy says you had a book on it. She said, I don't read, but Mommy said I could get a book, and she'd read it to me. I said, I'll give you a book. I said, what's with the interest in the angels in your head? What, what's that all about, honey? Well, I wanted to pray for Avery. That's one of her girlfriends at the church. And I wanted to pray for Bella. It's another little girl that she likes. I said, honey, this is what you have to do. You don't have to see anything. Just say this like Grandpa's saying. Father, I pray for the angels that have charge over Bella and Avery to protect them today and keep them safe. That's all you had to say, honey. If you believe that, just say that and say amen. amen. And you're helping the angels to assist your girlfriends. Yeah, I'm really a simple guy. <laughs> if you have faith, you can have anything. But <clears throat> so anyway, that was just a really interesting conversation I had with my granddaughter. Now, so we're talking here about angels. Let's go back to Job chapter 4. I'm going to get into the meat and taters here now. <laughs> I'm trying to. Uh, about personal angels. I'm talking to you about personal angels. Hallelujah. I've had a lot of people get healed of asthma. And a, a little boy, I didn't even realize that happened. It was in Olathe, Kansas with Pastor Hernandez, one of his members, come up to me a few years ago in California and said, do you remember me? And I said, uh, not really. I'm sorry. I travel all the time. I'm in all kinds of churches every year. And so I said, I'm sorry. I don't recognize your face. Who are you with? Who's your pastor? He said, uh, Pastor Hernandez. I said, oh, okay. In Olathe? He said, yeah. Well, you were there a couple years ago, and you prayed for my son. I think it was his son. He had severe asthma. We'd have to take him to the emergency room once a month. He'd be choking and gagging. And, of course, we got him an inhaler and all that. But said after you prayed, you prayed for his lungs to be healed. He didn't have any attacks. He hadn't had any attacks since you prayed for him. I said, how long has that been? He said, seven years ago. I said, seven years? And you're just now telling me? He said, yeah, we took him back to the lung expert, the lung doctor, to check him. He said, well, it looks like he's got new lungs. I don't understand that, but and no more asthma. Amen. So we have an anointing in some of these particular areas, like bones. A lot of people get healed of bone problems, neck problems, spine problems, joint problems. And then some things are just more, kind of more outlandish. I'm not talking about that right now, but... In Job chapter 4, we're looking at, we're going to look at personal angels. Say personal. personal. Okay. So Job 4.18 says, Behold, he put no trust in his servants, and his angels, his angels, he charged with folly. I would say it this way. He charged his angels with fo foolishness. 
when you say things that are contrary to your Bible, I didn't call you a fool, but you're acting foolishly. I said, call no man a fool, so I'm not going to call you a fool. But when you don't talk right in line with the Word, well, how do you talk in line with the Word? You have to get in the Word and figure out how to talk. Well, I thought I learned English in school. You just learned some things. You didn't learn to live like I'm teaching you. You didn't get that at school. Don't lie to me. Most of the teachers don't know how to live by faith. Especially university people. My God, they will scramble your brain. You'll be believing all kinds of garbage. I'm not against education. I'm against people that listen to stupid people. That's what I'm against. People that make fun of the Bible, make fun of what I'm teaching, act like I'm a nut. Well, I'm a healed nut. I'm a delivered nut. <laughs> yeah. And I want to read, the, I have the Amplified Bible. I, I have a King James, but I got the, this verse. I wrote it down in my Bible on a sticky tab. It says, he puts no, this from the Amplified, he puts no trust or faith or confidence in his heavenly servants. He's not talking here about a human servant. He's talking about heavenly servants because he talks about up here uh, in verse 19, how much more, you know, houses of clay. He's talking about a different kind of being when he says that in verse 18. Listen to me here. He puts no trust in his servant. And the Amphite says his heavenly servants. So these are heavenly beings, or angels, that were sent to protect Job. But Job's got a problem, his mouth. He's got a bad mouth. He didn't tell dirty jokes, but he talked un unrighteously. And he had no faith in God to take care of his own kids. He kept giving the same sacrifice every day for his kids. Every day. You're going to get your kids killed acting like that. I hope you know that. You're going to have to believe God to take care of your kids. Like I've had to. Supernaturally. And when they're little, I can take care of them. I'm bigger than them. But when they get to driving, going out with their buddies and all that stuff and other people of the opposite sex, and you're just going to have to believe God. Hopefully you've trained them enough to keep their pants on. Uh, I know I didn't get one good and one I don't know. Okay. What I'm trying to show you here, he's talking, and look at this. He put no trust or confidence in these beings that were sent to help him. And his angels, he had angels, but he charged them with folly. When you say, I'm too stupid, I couldn't get a good job, you're lying about it. I'm sorry you feel that insecure about your intelligence, but I felt like that all my life until I met Jesus and still struggled for 10 years after I met him to be not very the smartest tool in the toolkit. You know what I mean? I'm just being honest with you. But I got over because I realized that down through there somewhere that he thought enough of me to raise me up and sit me with Jesus at the Father's right hand. You're seated with Jesus, baby. Wow. And I realized that I could learn. And of course, I had an encounter with God one time about writing that book on angels, and I was complaining about it. And I said, I don't know anything about it. And he said, learn. When he gives me a one-word answer, he's not happy. <laughs> See, you know, I'm teaching you something now if you want to listen. And I could have just said, well, you can take this book. and No, but I didn't do that. I wasn't a smart aleck with God. I said, okay, I will learn. Because when he said learn, this is what I heard him say. You can figure it out. If he said learn, then I must have the capacity to learn what I need to do to publish a book. 
Because in my natural mind, my natural self, I felt like, oh, my Lord, <laughs> I'm not a writer, am I? Well, and I, I got people around me that help me now. I do write some, but you follow what I'm saying? I got it in my heart to do about another 30 books before I go to heaven or maybe more. I got about eight or nine now. Anyway, just talking to you. See, you have to have faith and confidence and don't charge your angels with something silly. All right, let's go over here. Let's go back here to Genesis 48. I guess I'm getting close to the end. I don't know when I even started. And I'm not trying to wear anybody out either. I know that. And I've had to learn, too, another thing that <clears throat> even as important as teaching can be, he wants me to minister to you, you know, and we get to that point, we will minister through laying on the hands. That's how God uses me. I'm not challenging anybody else. Everybody has their own routine or their way God uses them. I know God dealt with me about my hands. See, I'm, I mean, I tell you stuff, I'm telling you several times now, I've told on myself at least two or three times in this service, if you're paying attention, and I didn't suck my thumb, I didn't grab my blanket like Linus and walk off from God, I'm, this is no fun, I'm getting rebuked all the time, you can just take this job and, you know, like the country guy says. No, I didn't do that. I repented and humbled myself and took the correction. You can't take correction, you might as well just get out. You ain't going to go very far. All of us need some correction periodically, either from your pastor primarily, his voice, or maybe me in this setting as a prophet. Of course, you couldn't handle me every week. I'd run all of y'all probably. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what my wife used to tell me. Honey, you're just too something. I said, thanks, but I'm right. No, I didn't argue. I said, yeah, I understand tempered a little bit. Okay, here it is. Mm, that's my agape <laughs> hug. That's all you get, but you got it. <laughs> what was I saying over? Oh, God, show you stuff. See, you've got to learn to listen to him. He, he told me one time, and I was going along real good. I was laying my hands on a lot of people. God dealt with me about my hands, about my hands being anointed. Listen to me carefully. You can't anoint yourself. Half this church would, you know... If I gave you a word, you're anointed in your hands, you'd do flip-flops, you'd think you went to heaven. <laughs> but you can't anoint yourself. I feel sorry. The body of Christ is so imbalanced in their head that if I said something like that to people, they would just think, whoa. But see, there's responsibility with laying my hands on people. You ever realize that I have to think about that constantly? And so anyway, I was going along laying hands on people and getting some miracles and signs and wonders done. But I drew back from it after a period of time. And the Lord said, Michael, I told you to get your hands on the people. Now, you get your hands back on the people. Do you understand me? And he said, you don't, even if you're not teaching on laying on hands, you still should lay hands because I anointed your hands to transmit your heal, the healing power I put in you. Now, if I'm talking about me, that's different. I'm talking about the anointing on me. I'm not talking about some, something that I am without him. I'm talking about what I am with him, through him. Isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. Paul said, I lay my hands on you, the gift of God. It's God's gift, but it came through Paul to Timothy. All right. 
So I went along a couple months, did great, and then I slipped back into that mode. You teach, 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 and I forgot to lay hands on the people or got too busy or ran out of time, whatever excuse you want to use. If you do stuff like that, you're going to get in trouble. And God said to me, Michael, he was, he was kind of hot that second time. He said, I told you, get your hands on the people. Don't, you're not learning very good, are you? He insulted me. You, you can be offended if you want. You can have it out with God, but you won't win. I've had it out once or twice. I figured out he's going to win this. I just got to shut up. You think I'm kidding you. You don't know me. You don't know me very well at all. I said, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I repent. So I went along for six, eight, ten months, and then I drew back again. And then that, that time he was, really, he was really ticked. I mean, he was really hot. He said, Michael, I don't want to ever have to deal with you again in this life about you and your hands. Do you understand me, son? And I started to weep. And he said, do you think I put that on you for fun? I put it on you to learn about it and learn to be more skillful with it and not to throw it in the class closet because you're thinking something different than what I told you. He was right and I was wrong. And I said, Father, forgive me. So I'm just sharing that with you so you know that I try to be conscious of that. That's all I'm saying. All right, Genesis 48 here. Let's look. Now this is the story of Jacob. Uh, you know, he's called Israel here. In verse 14, he's getting ready to go to, you know, leave his body and go to be with, the, you know, the, the dead, so to speak. Or those that died in the Old Covenant went to Abraham's bosom, not to hell, they, but they went inside the earth because heaven wasn't available yet. You know that? Because Adam messed that up. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head. I'm in Genesis 48:14 who was the younger in his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, this means with skill, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Now look at that. He's telling them the angel which redeemed him, so that was me, was a personal angel assigned to Jacob. Can you see that? And he says, this angel redeemed him or delivered him would be a better word. Redeemed is a good word, but I don't know if we're familiar with it as much as we are delivered. The angel which delivered me from all evil. And I found in Deuteronomy that sickness and disease is called evil. Not people that are sick are evil, but the disease is evil. So he's saying here, this angel kept me from all evil and blessed the lads. And let my name be named on them in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth, not get drunk at, the, at the, 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 the prom and run into a telephone pole and die. I read that in there on purpose because we need to think right. I told God when I got saved, and he was calling me in the ministry, I'll go in the ministry and I'll go wherever you tell me to go, and it ought to be proven that I've done that. So far, I've been on a, over 110 mission trips in 15 nations. I said, I'll go anywhere you tell me to go, but you're going to help keep my kids. And I'm going to cut a covenant with you about that. I'm going to hold you to it. He said, good, I, I can handle that. I said, okay, then I'll go where you tell me to go. You know, you need to get up to be a big boy, big girl somewhere down through here and have a serious conversation with God about stuff like that. So I said that, and he's done that and kept my kids. And Man, I'm so grateful. So what I'm showing you is here's a man who had a personal angel assigned to him, and you have one assigned to you. And he's trying to keep you from all evil. 
you know. I found this out. I didn't know this happened, but my son had a friend that was going to a drug party, and my son was going with him, and they got they were going up the sidewalk to go into his house, and the kid that was uh, being the leader right then uh, turned to my son and said, I don't think you belong here. You better go on home to mom and dad. So he got in his truck and came home. Smart thinking. You listening? And you got to be a parent sometimes, too. My son told me one time he went into somebody's home. I won't mention their name. And he said, Dad, when I got there, they were taking out guns and looking at guns and stuff. And the Lord said to me, tell him right now, never, never go back to that house. And I know the guy I'm talking about. He's a friend of mine. I said, don't you ever go to that house again. And if you do, I'm gonna, I'm, the Lord will tell me on you. I was intense with him. You think I'm intense? You have no idea how intense I can be. My wife, she said, you're too intense. I said, you ain't never seen me intense, honey. <laughs> I love you. I don't beat you. I love you. And I've loved you all my life. So Intense. That isn't intense. And, you know, and, and just two weeks later, one of this guy's house, he, see, they got guns out, and I know they do drugs. <laughs> and this, this kid, I led him to the Lord in my church. His parents were drug addicts. He's a drug addict. I gave. I said, "Give me your personal phone number, if you will. I'm gonna call you." And I felt tried to hunt him down with the phone and say, "You need to come talk to me. I'm an ex-drug addict. I can help you." But he went to that house and put a shotgun up in his mouth and blew his head off in front of everybody that was there. My son could have been there, but my son listened to me because he knew I was in, I was intense about that. Don't go back here ever. Because the Lord said, warned me. Well, what if I hurt my son's feelings? Well, <laughs> brother, are you going to be a parent or what? And you that are younger that don't have kids, if you're going to have babies, learn to be responsible. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, my mother, she she's so close to God back when I was a teenager, I couldn't do any. I did it, but I, he he always told on me. Okay. <laughs> Okay, let's, let's go here to Daniel. We're going to stop on this. Daniel 10. I'm, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've had a good time today. But. <laughs> and I still never told you about any of the visions other than that one angel when I was five, I guess. But Okay. Maybe we'll come back and talk on that sometime. That's another service to kind of go down that trail. But I want to show you that you have authority in your words to say what you need to say to the angels. And for example, this is the way that when I get up every morning, because I, I know this, I've been studying this how long? 40 years. Lord, I thank you for the angels that have charge over me today to keep me safe from all injury, harm, or destruction. To keep me safe from all injury, harm, or destruction. That's what I say out loud every day. What am I doing? I'm giving the angels that are assigned to me directions to keep me safe from injury, harm, or destruction. That means if somebody's going to shoot out at McDonald's, I'm not going to be at that McDonald's. Or somebody's going to try to, you know, attack me somewhere or another, that's going to be put to an end somehow. Somebody's going to intervene, and it's going to, I'm not going to get it. Okay, so, you know, just... See what I'm saying? And maybe you don't know exactly what to say. Just say what's in your heart. You want protection? Father, I believe for the angels you've assigned to me to protect me. That would be a good start just that much. 
we found out in Abraham, and he had a lesser covenant, not Abraham, Jacob, we just read it in Genesis 48. This angel delivered him his whole long life, he said, from all evil. And, that's, and you know, he wasn't exactly the, the clown first, he wasn't an A student, you know, he lied like his daddy did about his wife. He must have had some good-looking women's all I've figured out. No, he went to some king, and he said, that's my sister. And God visited the man that was going to sleep with her because he, he don't care whatever. He's in a covenant with his God. And he said, if you sleep with this man's wife, you're a dead man. Wife? Then he went back to Jacob and said, you told me she was your sister. Well, I thought you'd take her. He said, no, you can take her and all my stuff. Here's some gold and silver. Get out of here. You're bringing a curse to me. No, he's bringing a curse to his own life. And God warned him for Jacob's sake. He wasn't exactly the straightest shooter in the group. You know what I mean? That name means deceiver. So he changed his name to Israel, which means prince with God, because he wrestled with the angel. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. He was getting some sense then. <laughs> Instead of, I can do this myself. Hey, listen, I can't do much by myself. I need God. I don't know about you. I need him. I need him to protect me. I need him to help me. I need him to breathe. <laughs> He's been so good to me. He really has. I, I hope I haven't went too long. Let's read one verse and I'm going to pray for you here. In Daniel 10 and 12, Then said he unto me, This is Daniel talking to the angel, Fear not, Daniel. See, he's because they are intimidated to look at. For from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself or humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I am come for your words. Now I want you to get a hold of that. The angel standing there telling Daniel, I'm here because of what you said. I want you to get that. So if I could say words and bring them, I could say words and release them. You know, so, so, so your word, the angels are listening for your words. And when you say what's in here, you may not know as much as Pastor Keith knows, or maybe me, but God's not holding you responsible unless you've been in the ministry for 45 or how many years he's been in. I've been in it 45 years. 50 years this December, I've been saved 50 years. And I feel like such a little kid, to be honest with you. I know so little, it seems. But I did figure this out, that angels are moved by my words. So your words are vital to them. I, I when I wrote my book, I didn't have that revelation quite like I'm telling you. But I would have said that, the Lord told me later, angels run, their fuel is your words to them. The more you say, in the, say the scriptures to them, see, they play a part in our, my prosperity. I mean, I was believing God for some money, you know, because I haven't, well, you have no idea, but... I haven't had it really been like a normal person for three years because I had a lot of issues happen in my family. My son-in-law passed away, and I stayed home with him to help my, 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 my daughter and the boys and, and him for many, many months. And then we had COVID. Are you listening? Yeah. And then other things happened, and I uh, had to come in and take the church back over momentarily to help my son. And then my wife just passed away two weeks ago. So, you know, it's been a different time frame for me. And I just said, well, Father, you have to take care of me. I know you will. 
And you know, people started sending finances to help me. It's just, it was remarkable. I mean, and I just said, you know, I need a little help here. And, and he just started moving on people. And some of it was to me personally, and, and others had came to my ministry. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And the angels were working with, with people, I guess. I'm sure they did. <laughs> I need some help. Your words release them. Now, you can't, you can't not tithe and pray for the angels to make you prosperous. Now, that's laughable. Because your tithe is the beginning step into your prosperity. Now, I, I say this in conclusion, at least you get under you know, mental torment. Uh, <clears throat> I'm serious about that. You need to realize, if, you've, if your finances are so messed up that you feel you can't tithe, you need to ask God how to unravel all that. <clears throat> you don't need to come ask me. You need to figure it out. You're the one that's got the scrambling. You should say, you know, uh, Father, you know, we, we pray that you would, what's happening? Oh. Uh, I thought I was getting removed. I, see ya. <laughs> he looks like he could take me. Ex-policeman too, you know. <laughs> but you could ask God simply, Lord, teach me to start where I'm at. If I can't fully tithe on what I make, and a tithe is 10% of what you make, not what you bring home. If you have to ask me which one, you're way behind the eight ball. And when I first started tithing, I only had a $4 tithe because that's all I was making. I was on unemployment momentarily. I mean, now they don't even buy me one cup of coffee at Starbucks, $4. But you grow if you put, your, put God and yourself to the test and start where you're at and say, God, I want to get this right. It may take you a little while to unwind some things to get to where you can fully do everything you want to do. But you can do it can do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's available.